So um, I want to today to uh, share with you a midrash from uh, Ruth Rabba that talks about King Manasseh, uh, Hezekiah's wicked son. And um, the midrash is troping of a pasuk in Ruth, where Boaz sees Ruth among the sheaves, and she says. May I continue to find favor in your eyes. Boaz. And Boaz tells Ruth, at mealtime, come over and participate in the bread. And you should dip the bread in the vinegar. And so she sat uh, beside the harvesters, Vayitzbot La Koli, and she took the parched grain, Vatocho Vatisba Vatosa, and so she ate satisfied and had some left over. That's the posuk in Ruth 2.14 that the Midrash is going to now trope on. It's going to do typically for Midrashic style. It's going to fragment the posuk into sections, meaning take of the bread, dip the morsel in vinegar, etc. And it's going to look at that in a metaphorical sense and apply it to six different kings, five kings of Israel and then the Melech HaMashiach. So the first one, it says, uh, the first one is David. And it says, partake of the bread, which means the bread of monarchy. You will be king. So David will be king. Then it says, Dip your morsel in the vinegar. And that refers to Yesurin. So I want to focus on that. Dipping the bread in the vinegar for the Bala Medrash uh, represents the Yesurin. Well, what Yesurin did he go through? Well, he had some afflictions. And so the apostle continues, Vateshev Mitzada Kotzrim, and Ruth sat alongside the Kotzrim, not with them, but alongside. And this alludes to the fact that the monarchy was temporarily arrested and taken away from David Amelech. He was deposed um, and persecuted uh, for six months. And the Gemara goes into uh, how that works because he was on the kings of monarchy for uh, 40 years. The Malachim says, but if you actually count it, count it up, it's 39 years and six months. So the Gemara says that uh, it was taken away from him during the rebellion uh, of Absalom. Uh, okay, so that's David Amela. Then it goes on to the next one, which would be um, Shlomo. Uh, Shlomo, it says, come over here, partake of the bread. That means the bread of uh, Melucha. Dip your morsel in the vinegar. So for Shlomo HaMelech, the monarchy uh, was temporarily arrested from Shlomo HaMelech because apparently there was an imposter who got on the throne and said, Ani Koheles, so that's another Gemara. And Batovalta Peter Bachometz, you shall dip your bread in the vinegar. That's the Yusurin that he suffered. Okay, next is Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu, of course, we know came to the monarchy, and then it was taken away from him because he was taken by the Melech Ashur in, in chains. Gemara talks about a cauldron that they brewed for him, but he prayed to God and he was saved. Now let's go to my interesting one. And the last one is Melech HaMashiach, who will suffer 
By the way, they use the same posuk in Isaiah about his suffering that the New Testament uses, that the, the suffering Messiah. But we won't go down that road today. Let's look at Menashe. I want to look at Menashe because he was a bad boy. He was Hezekiah's naughty sons, naughtiest son. And when it came to Menashe, let's look at what the posuk says. Uh, Goshi Halom, Boaz tells Ruth, come close, which means Krove Lamalchus. So he did ascend to the throne after Chizkiyahu. This is the, the Malchus that he participated in. And you shall dip your morsel in vinegar. That's like everybody else, Eluha Yasurin. And what is that? Vateshev Mitzada Kotsrim. Ruth sat next to, but not participated with, the reapers. Shenotstar Lo Malchuso. That's the fact that the monarchy of Menashe was temporarily taken from him. Okay, so now let's talk about that, that episode. In that passage, in uh, 2 Kings 21 and 2 Chronicles 33, we are told that Vayedabe Adonai el Menashe ash ve'el amo velo hikshivu. So God talked to him and he didn't listen to them because he was still worshipping idols. Okay, so now what's the suffering? What's the bread in the vinegar that Manasseh had to suffer? Oh, Vayove Adonai alehem et sare hatsava asher lamelech ashur. Like his father, God sent the whipping boy, the king of Assyria's generals, Vayilkudu es Manasseh b'chochim. And they captured Manasseh with chochim. Chochim is a, is a machlokus in the Gemara. Chochim means copper. Either it means copper feathers or it means something else. Okay, now, what happens then? So he's, so, so, kivan shero shelo he'eliu klum, because he would soveach, he would cry when he's in these copper chains. Slain plant, slain clonch, sozaveni. He's calling to all the idols that he had worshipped. You and you and you, help me out here. I, I'm, I'm captured, I'm in ropes and, and, and uh, copper fetters. So he beseeched each of the idols he had worshipped to save him. <laughs> when he found that they weren't very uh, empathetic, Omar Zohar Hayisi Shehoya Abe Makrioso. Makriosi. Now I remember when I was a kid, before I went off the derech, that my father, Hezekiah, used to have me recite a verse that says it's a, a pasuk from our Chapter four in Deuteronomy four thirty thirty one. That is when you are in distress and all these things Moshe tells you are going to befall you because you're not listening to God. At the end of days, you will return to Hashem and hearken to his voice. Why? For Hashem, your God, is a merciful God. He will not abandon you nor destroy you. And he will not forget the covenant of your forefathers. He swore to them. So he's in um, chains and he says, oh, my one second. Dad, dad maybe used to recite this verse. I know this by heart that when bad times will happen to us, God will be merciful. So now... In chains, he cries out to the Rabboni Shalom and says, Oh no, 
Sovachle, in one hotov, I will cry out to him. And if he answers me, it's good, and I will know that he is the true God. Okay. Ve'en oni. So this is a uh, double-blind controlled experiment. And if he doesn't answer me, then I will conclude that he's like the rest of them. All the gods are the same and they're all as one and all the characteristics of them are all equal and none of, and none of them have any meaning at all because they don't save you when you're in trouble. So by first praying to his idols and only then to God, Manasseh had cleverly ensured, as it was, that God must save him because had God not done, it would appear that he is as powerless as the idols. Azoi Zokt, the Gemara Rashi to Sanhedrin 101, where this story from Ruth Rabba is also brought. Really, it's like Pascal's wager, right? If he answers me, then I know he's the real thing, the real deal. And if he doesn't answer me, then he's like the, the rest of them, useless. But the strategy, this is tactics, the strategy was, I'm going to shame him into it. Because if he knows that I've, I've, I've written to everybody else, I've asked everyone else to help me. So if he doesn't help me, it's not only on me, it's on him. What will he look like? Because everyone will see that it would appear he is just as powerless as the idols. That's what Rashi says. Okay. And now we come to what moved me so much in this medrash. So fasten your seatbelts, because he, lo kosva hatora, lo amra. If the medrash wouldn't have said it, I could never have said it myself without being put in cheyrem by my wife, my mother-in-law, and all the rabbis. But omdu Now, malachei in medrash, I've said for many years, is God's conscience. They're doing two things. One, they're they're calling God out when he is doing something that's against the very Torah that he gave us, right? Shema yesh Torah fluster. You're going to make a mockery of Torah if you behave like this. So they cry, chutzah. Chas v'shalom. You can't allow this to happen. The second thing is, they're always criticizing Am Yisrael because we took the Torah from heaven, brought it down to earth, and look how we're behaving. Eilu of the Zorah, Eilu of the Zorah. What are you saving from the Mitzrim? They're just like them. Why are you doing... So God's conscience, as it were. So hear what the Malachi Asharis tell God. On to Malachi Asharis, first of all, they didn't speak to God. What they did is, Sosmu kol hachalonos shel mala. First of all, they closed all the windows upstairs. <laughs> Shut it down, right? The storm is coming to uh, Arkansas. Where is it? The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, Right? The storm is coming. Shut, uh, you see her shutting down the shutters in the Midwest as this, this storm comes through. So they, they're shuttering the windows, Shelmala, meaning they're closing all the apertures for prayer to come upstairs to God. They're closing the windows on prayer. Uh, the H. Yosef says, Sheshom nichnasim kolat filos. Those windows are the apertures by the tefillos come in. First of all, they close it up. So nothing is going in, nothing's coming down. And then they say to the Rabboni Shalom, Ribbon Master of the Universe, 
אדם שהם יצלם בהיכל אתו מקבלו בתשובה? מנשה פוטה היכל, פסל מיכה, פסל אין בהיכל. In the sanctuary of the Beisat Mikdash, he puts an idol and starts worshipping it. That man you're going to take in tshuva, meaning he's beyond tshuva. We think he's beyond tshuva. What they're trying to do is to block Menashe's tefillah. Okay? Amalahem. So God responds to them. Im eini makablu b'tshuva, hareini noel p'sach b'fnei kol balei tshuva. So he now makes a hekesh between Menashe and other Baalei Tshuva. And he says, if I'm going to start making these distinctions as to who gets receives Tshuva and who doesn't, then I'm effectively locking the door before all future penitents. Meaning, I agree in principle with the argument that Menashe himself doesn't deserve Tshuva. I agree with you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sticking Pesel in my Heichal, I don't think it gets worse than that. Yet, God hesitated to reject him, lest others cite as proof that God does not accept repentance. Meaning other people afterwards in the future looking at my refusal to accept that naughty boy's tshuva will give them the very pishon pair, the very argument that, well, you didn't do it for him. But God is arguing in the Bala Medrash's imagination. He is arguing with and saying to them, yeah, it's true. Uh, he doesn't deserve it. But what am I worried about? I am worrying that everyone in the future will say, I'm useless, you didn't accept his, well, maybe my sin is even worse, right? That's God's argument to them. Now, in the Nefesh Shimshon, he says, one might believe in the power of prayer, but forsake it out of a feeling of adequacy. There's a 20th century Musa man for you. You might feel so inadequate, like I do most of the time when I'm davening, when I can daven, when I can put my mind to really think about, you know, my own character defects and my addictions and my resentments and everything I've been dealt with, right? Every year, every year, Elul comes and I'm going, really? Am I really doing it? And then I have to go to Rav Cook as a, as, a, as a tonic to tell me that there's different types of tshuva. He might reason that the distance between God and himself cannot be bridged through prayer. Okay, but I do like what the Mikhtav Meliahu says. Uh, the Mikhtav Meliahu, the three volumes were printed in the 50s and 60s after he died. And then in the 90s, they printed out a fourth volume. By the way, I met his daughter. His daughter had a son who was brain damaged. And I went up to the mountains to, to visit him. He was a big Rosh Hashiva, big tzaddik. Uh, he was in a coma vigil. He was in a light coma in which we didn't know if he, I felt he was awake, but locked in. And I met his mother, who was the daughter of Rabbi Eliyahu Dessler. And I knew that she 
she was British, of course, um, and she was a poet. But after she got married to this huge Tamil Chochum in Brooklyn, she gave it up. So I said, look, I'll do everything I can for your son if you go back and start publishing your poems. And she made a deal, but never. She was Nifta a couple of years after him. Rabbi Dessler says that the angels argue against God accepting his tshuva, but where do we even see that Menashe repented at all? Even at death's door, he merely cried to God to save him. That's not tshuva. <laughs> Rabbi Dessler in his literature, Diukim, is able to distinguish between saying, I'm doing tshuva, I'm a penitent, okay. Or, can you please help me, I'm in a bind which is the way I do it usually, from the Rosh Tevos, the FDA, the DEA, the IRS, all the Rosh Tevos, right? So when they come out knocking at my door, I say, Rabbi help me. But he showed no remorse for his evil ways. And even his prayer, he threatened to blaspheme God by comparing him to the idols. Even when he's saying to God, and if you don't save me, <laughs> then, you know, ain't lach ani lo then you're a nothing, you're a nobody, you're like all the other idols that have no value. He's already threatening God even in the prayer. Can this truly be referred to as tshuva, Rabbi Desler asks? And so he answers that tshuva literally means returning to God. At this point, he felt no remorse for the life he had led. But the fact that he, despite his weakness, turned, right? In, in, uh, in Kabbalah, it's called the Nasira. From Rosh Chodesh Elul to Shmini Atzeres, Adam and Eve are back to back, or the Kodesh Baruch Hu and the Shechina. And then every Yontif, there's a quarter turn, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and finally Shmini Atzeres, they're ponim baponim, right? So there's this turning that's very important that he talks about. So the act of turning to God in prayer is an act in itself of returning. It's turning the dial a little bit. True, the angels could not fathom that one who placed an idol in the sanctuary, one who went so far as to profane his prayer to God by comparing God to idols, could be seen as returning. But God himself perceived Manasseh as one who was turning ever so slightly. Azor zokt the heiliger Rab Eliyahu Dessa. And now comes the punchline. Thank you for being so patient. What did God do? The windows were shut. The angels were not moved by Menashe's fake teshuva. What does the Rabboni Shalolim do? This is what he does. Now, underneath his throne, <laughs> what does he do? He hollows out a tunnel underneath his throne. Underneath the throne, the angels have no power. They, they have the power to open the windows. Those are the official channels of prayer. But underneath his throne, underneath there's no one's looking. He hollows out a little tunnel. And in allows Manasseh's prayers to reach him. As it says in Divrei HaYomim 2, 33-13, he prayed to God and he was entreated by him. Vayeotelo, he was entreated by him in the Nifal. God was moved by his prayer. Vayishma Techinoso, and he listened to his prayer. I thought that this concept of tunneling 
was such a brilliant, brilliant notion in the rabbinic imagination that when when there is the official channels and the official channels, hey, the king has to listen to his viziers. He has to follow the Supreme Court. He has to follow this. But as a king, as a tyrant, he also can subvert his own officers of the realm, his own angels. It's so impish. It's so naughty. God is hollowing a tunnel under his Kisiah Kovod because he wants to let in the tshuva of Menashe. Begging the question, in what way did God see Menashe's intention that the angels didn't? The angels weren't moved by God. God is saying, well, what are the future people going to do? Okay, they should have opened up the windows. They didn't. Meaning they weren't moved by his rational argument that the future people would use it as an excuse not to do tshuva. God somehow sees beyond that and has to employ subterfuge to allow the prayer of Menashe to go upstairs. It's all very architectural, isn't it? It's not a moral conceptual issue. We're talking about a physical place upstairs which has windows. And if you close the windows, the prayer don't come in. And in order to allow the prayer to come in, he's got to physically tunnel his way down below his Kiseyak Kovod. There must have been a subterranean tunnel down below the Palace of the Divine, which gets through to the sewage, which comes through an opening, and there Menashe's prayer can rise. Now, let's go fast forward from Ruth Rabba in the 5th century to, to the Chuas Chain, one of the Talmidim of the Baal Shem HaKadosh, Gedalia of Linitz, and he picks up on this idea of Chatira, tunneling, and he says as follows. He says that... What is one to do in Pasha Shoftim yesterday? It says, Shoftim v'shotrin, you should make officers and judges v'chol she'arecha in all your gates. And then it says, then God will, when you go against your enemies, you will be overwhelmed by their Horses and charioteers, they're going to be overwhelming to you. Lo tiramihem, don't be afraid. Ki Adonai Elohecho imach amalachom Eretz Mitzrayim. Because God is with you. Don't be afraid of that. Comes along the Chuas Chain, of course, in the name of the Baal Shem, that this battle has nothing to do with history only. The Milchama isn't the Milchama. The Oyevim isn't the Oyevim, as our rabbi says. Who is the va- what what is the milchama? What is the battle? Venira Lafarish Kiinya Milchama Zoismara Milchamas Apnimius. This battle that Kisaitse Milchama Yevecho is an inner battle that we all struggle with. Im Yitzro Shalodom with a person's Yetzer. Our battleground is completely one that is formed by our own internal struggles. And we should know that Chazal say, And it says on Har Sinai, God showed Moshe Rabbeinu 50 gates of Bina. Bina in, in Kabbalah is Tshuva. 50 gates of Bina. 
Bekulon nimsrulo, and they and he gave them all to him, chutzmeichad, except for one. What do you mean chutzmeichad? Just say you gave him forty-nine share bina. Would you have to tell me I gave him fifty, except one? What does it mean? Kasha Reisha Saver. Either you say 49 or you say 50. So the biggest Chiddush here is that that 50th gate isn't the number 49 plus 1. In fact, there are 49 gates. The 50th gate is is not, Alan, you have to tell me, it's uh, the two types of numbers, right, in mathematics. One is a number, one, two, three, four, five, right? What's that called? Ordinal and cardinal. Thank you. So the number 50 is not 49 plus one. There is something about the 50th number that permeates all the 49. So he gave them 49 share bina, and it's chaser me echad, it's lacking the echad. There's something holographically that should be soaking the 49 that he couldn't give at that time. The mil'achas hu inyan ha'achdus. The 50th gate, which is chaser echad, is lacking the unification of the 49. They haven't been integrated. There are 49 gates of bina. There's rationality, super rationality, mysticism. There are 49 gates of wisdom. There's 49 gates of mathematics, but or levels of dimension, but nothing has, we don't have the unified theory of spirituality. That echad wasn't given to him. The who inyan, what is that 50th? Gate, what is that 50th concept that should be soaking everything else? Who inyan hachatira? Dazzling, dazzling. What did you get that from? The inyan of the 50th gate that was not given to Moshe Rabbeinu was the inyan of the tunneling. Yes, everything has a rational meter to those 49 gates. We go from Pesach to Shavuos. We go through the steps, all the step programs that we go through. They're rational steps that go from one level of tshuva to the next. But there's that holographic unifying force which for some reason in his mind is the Chatira, and we'll come why, So what does he mean that that is the same issue by the Chatira? Because our sins cause an iron curtain, a Mosach mavdil between us and the Divine. And that very iron curtain that separates us from our deepest selves forces us to give up, give us to give up on ourselves. It's just beyond, it's too much. So now he tells us the psychological purpose of the tunneling. Absolutely dazzling. He says in the psychological soul terms, 
you give up on yourself. Ich bin a Gornisch, ich bin a Namoritz. It was drummed into my head since childhood. You'll never be anything. You'll be a beast. You'd... That never leaves you, that inner critic. My twin sister will agree. <laughs> it will never leave us, that inner critic, right? So then you have a You forget about it. When you... Tshuva, noch a year, noch a year. My wife said yesterday, Osher ve'echda, Rambam says, you, you can't do it. It's not real tshuva. I'm going to do it. Yes, I will. No, it doesn't. Next week I'll sin. So what does God do? He has this spiritual concept of the tunneling. Do you remember the sappers during World War One and Two in Gibraltar? They were a British troop of miners drafted by the army. And they built tunnels in Gibraltar. These were called sappers, so that the whole population could hide in those tunnels. Those tunneling is a very important concept for the British military. And he does it He does it secretly. He is tunneling to us. He's giving us an opening. This is the gift of the 50th gate. It cannot be out in the open. He can't give it to Moshe with the volcano and in front of everyone. It's except the one most important thing is that he is reaching to us, hiding Secretly, he's giving us a secret passageway to open us to Tfilos to get to him. Because of all the FDA, the DEA, the spiritual IRS, the spiritual Matrigim who are just ready to pounce on us and tell us you're a nobody, you're a nothing and take away any self-esteem. Because of them, he has to hide from the Malochim, which are our dark angels, and create this tunnel under the Kiseha covered. I thought it's an absolutely dazzling concept that allows us this kind of beautiful Baal Shem Torah uh, that allows us to somehow uh, reach into the depths of that kind of opening, that unconditional loving, that he loves us because of that. And with that, I bless everyone that this Elul should be a time where you don't give up on yourself. <laughs> and I don't give up on myself, which is the, the easiest way out to say I'm beyond it. And that we try to find within our souls that little secret tunnel to our deepest selves. The Chelek Elokai Mimal Mamash, that piece of the divine that's incarnated within each of us so that we find a true healing uh, in this Elul.